Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's show. Here's what we are talking about. Day one of the impeachment trial is in the books. The Senate votes to proceed with Trump's case after a debate about the constitutionality of going after a president that is currently not in office. Uh, Also, meanwhile, what Trump's up to. He's in his self-imposed exile, and he's watching with a little bit of unhappiness as the second impeachment trial unfolds as Ashley Parker and Josh Dawsey report that in the Washington Post. Um, and yeah, we're going to kind of break that down and get into it. Like the the impact of the impeachment, what uh, really will come from this in terms of long lasting and um, kind of how, how do we go about kind of putting down the violence and taking down the temperature and how do we go, go about reaching these Republicans who have been so far alienated? We will discuss. Also, the Beltway Media is manufacturing consent about these $2,000 survival checks and how all of a sudden, maybe you don't really need them as much as you think you may need them. Maybe that was all a delusion. And also, we're going to take a look at some of the um, income requirements being shifted around Um and of course, really, why they're happening, and give us some credit to some people who uh, have also been a little bit of a kind of targets of some ire, at least on my show, um, which are some of the kind of progressive leaders in Congress. They've actually gotten a little bit of a win here. It looks like early on in this Biden administration, the key stimulus fight. Welcome, it's 480 News Flash here, and we're pleased to have back with us one of our regular guests, James Stanley. James, thank you so much for joining us once again. Thanks for having me. All right. So we're going to be talking about first here with this impeachment. Um, And yeah, so pretty much the big news of today is the Senate has decided to proceed with the trial, but Trump does have enough votes here for acquittal. Um, The Senate voted on Tuesday to proceed with the impeachment trial of former President Trump, rejecting his defense team's claim that would be unconstitutional to prosecute a president after leaving office. But the final tally signaled that his Republican allies could muster enough support to potentially block the two-thirds necessary for conviction here. So let's kind of get into it. We'll start kind of from the the ground floor here and build our way up to the broader conversation. Um, So, James, what was your reaction to the case made today about constitutionality? It really looked like, uh, from what I could tell, uh, the House manager's case really blew the Trump lawyer's case out of the water. Um, But, yeah, like, what was your take on today's events? Well, I thought that it was very well prepared, very well drafted. I thought that it was articulately um, given out to the members of the Senate. I think... One of the one of the impeachment managers, David Cicilline, who is a Democrat from Rhode Island's, I believe first congressional district, might be second. There's only two. Um, I thought his points were very good. He was the one who was making the point that um, he was actually quite frankly debunking the entire claim that the Republicans continuously say, which is that you can't impeach Trump because he's a private citizen now. And he had like on a slideshow there that. Explicitly states in the Constitution, it never it doesn't say precedent. It says person or body. And he made a very good point that Trump technically fits both of those um, definitions because there's nowhere in there that it says you have to be a sitting president to get impeached. Um, you can be convicted of crimes. I mean, basically, he also made a good point that it's basically like saying that because the bank robber lives in Canada now, you can't charge him for robbing a couple banks in the U.S. before he went across the border. Because as we all know, the U.S. is very, very strongly since the Trump era, was very, very adamant about getting criminals uh, back over from other countries and really, I mean, using pretty forceful um laws against them, immigrants, and even people who committed crimes that went over to other countries. But I think the points that were made today were were pretty clear that impeachment is constitutional right now. Uh, My only hesitance with continuing down this path is a further delay of other proposals. Now, I know Chuck Schumer has mentioned that they're going to somehow collaterally do both. Um, Now, 
um, from what I, from my understanding, I presume they're going to be doing this during the time when one of the lawyers has requested there not be an impeachment because of Shabbat on Friday and Saturday. I presume that's when the Senate will get into normal business. But besides that, overall, today was a, a relatively good day. Um, I think that the Democrats, the impeachment managers, that is, were overly prepared for rather ignorant individuals, to say the least. But at the same time, I was very pleased in what I heard. Yeah, it definitely did not look like, I mean, I was just, I mean, I personally thought that the the um, presentation by the, especially like people like Jamie Raskin and um, uh, David Cicilline, were, they were very good presentations. They're definitely like very true and like there's nothing wrong with them. But again, I'm kind of someone who is really not very much motivated by this whole idea in the first place. I may have some sort of misunderstanding with this here, but is it true that you could just pass through a simple majority vote barring Trump to ever run again? Yeah, you could. Um, The thing is, when he's convicted, um, he's convicted, I believe that there's actually a thing that has something to do with with being able to vote again. Now, I know for a fact, um, because that's all what I think, but I know for a fact this portion is I know you can pass a censure um, agreement, which is actually what we were just talking about before the show came on. Susan Collins and Tim Kaine, both of the senators, have uh, cooperatively brought that to the table instead of impeachment. Um, but to answer your question, when a president gets impeached, they're convicted of the crime. I believe they are barred from office in the future. But given yeah. They the are, but like for this for this yeah. censure for this censure proposal from Kane and Collins, doesn't that effectively huh. just serve the purpose of barring him from going again? In yeah, I think that's actually. I believe, if I'm correct, I think that's all they're trying to. Like, it's going to be like basically a slap on the wrist on top of it. But I think the main part of the censure is to try to make sure, like, to try to make sure he can't run again. Yeah, but uh, then I that's that's, that's the all main. you can really do with impeachment, isn't it? Yeah, I, well. That's part of it. I mean, technically, he could be convicted in the court of law now because he is out of the office. This is this is actually yeah, but that's not something the because... that's not something the Senate has any control over, though. Like, if no. you're talking about politically, and yeah. especially with the important things you got to do, uh, if you're the Senate in terms of getting relief out there, and that should be a definitely a bigger priority for Democrats if they want to keep the Senate and maybe like win in this like place like Pennsylvania, which I definitely think they could. Um, like what, why not just pass this thing that really is the best you can do anyway, even if you do convict him, which you won't like that says that Trump can't run from office again and just be done with it and hope that he does get picked up in a court of law, which again, this is, it doesn't seem like something the Senate has any control over what happens there. I mean, I, I honestly think the only thing that they could really do at this point just get rid of this whole entire patriot thing but going back to what the powers like what they can do i honestly think yeah i, th- I think well i know for a fact well um that they can bar him from office and this is the second part i'm just trying to remember um they can bar and they, well obviously they can remove him but since he's already out of office they can't do that but besides that i believe that's honestly it. see i also know for a fact that um impeachment does hypothetically would go onto i believe would go onto his record um if they're gonna actually charge him with like with uh i believe they're doing the insurrection correct but i, I forgot that the article exactly yeah the article was at, about but, the insurrection yeah yeah so i think that would actually go like it, it's similar to actually like a criminal basically it would be on his file um yeah but now, like what what so then that would just put that would be the mechanism that prevents him from running again but like even still it's yeah. the same outcome so what is the point if you can just get what you want to do in the end, like, is the point just some big show? Like, that seems to be all it is. Yeah, no, I think I agree. I think it is going to be a big show. I think the one thing that they're trying to see here is, I think they want to have an aspect of traditionalism. I mean, I'm trying to like back up from the situation, get like a non-biased point of view. I think they're trying to get like a traditional uh, system in place here, and I think that for some reason, I, I almost feel as if they think that they can try to get the extra i think it's 11 republican senators they need to get to the 16 um, i mean do like, I think they're gonna do but it nobody no. nobody thinks that like there's like there's no one even in the media no one who's observing this any kind of rational way like what would make the senators think that i just don't think there's any kind of political point to this 
in it, other than like a big <laughs> show, which I don't even think that's going to really resonate with a lot of people, especially Republicans. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I honestly don't necessarily know why exactly they're going to be going through it if they don't really think that they're going to be able to get more Republicans over. The only thing that I can really think of here is that they want to have a fair trial. They want to bring witnesses in, and maybe by doing that, they can uh, interrogate Republicans to vote with them. At the same time, the problem with the censure is that there's no type of fair trial, and then we have an argument that's going to be brought up by the QAnon party. Uh, with the Republicans at this point, that's why I call them, uh, which is that, you know, there's no fair trial, there's no this, there's no that. They're going to be, you know, basically harassing everything, and they're obviously not going to vote for it either way if they did the censure after the impeachment. But I think the whole thing they wanted to do is they didn't want to make it look unfair because, look, you have to admit, 2022 is not going to be a positive year for the Democrats unless Biden yeah. actually gets a lot of things done, like what Bush did, for example, in 2002 after 9-11. Oh, yeah. Um, so far, I am optimistic about Biden delivering. I mean, just given what I've seen so far, it's not horrible. It's not as good as – I mean, it's not as bad as I thought it would be, actually, to be honest. Um, but at the same time, it's not, like, the best. So I, I can't even say if they're going to be able to uh, win more seats in – house um because i don't think that's gonna happen just because of gerrymandering but overall i think like the one thing that i think they really want to do here is they don't want to make it like a campaign push like yeah you can maybe attack democrats for doing impeachment but what you can't attack them for is not having a fair trial and well i think most americans actually believe in the impeachment as well i think that's actually yeah and i think also there's a large portion of americans who believe in just removing trump from office so like Where's the, like, you just pass, like, before, like, day one. You get in there and you say, okay, Trump's no longer going to be allowed to run for office again. And then you're like, okay, we have to now pass very ambitious kind of COVID relief, uh, raise the minimum wage, all that kind of stuff. Like, do this do this kind of big action that gets get this money out there, uh, which even then, as we will get into, they are seeming to have a little bit of trouble with that. Um, but it is very, very interesting. I do kind of want to shift gears a little bit to talk about like the Republican Party here. And because, of course, as we discussed at this point, it's pretty much completely unlikely that we will see 17 Republicans necessary to flip flip. Um, but the thing is, what did um, like it, it didn't really always seem that it had to be this way because there was times where we heard rumblings about Mitch McConnell possibly saying that he would vote to convict Trump. And I see, like, possibly that would free up a sizable margin of people who were really just pissed off uh, with Trump and just wanted to inject, like, take him out of the Republican Party. He was no longer worth the trouble. Like, if they could just really do that push to to remove him, they seemed like they were preparing to do that. But then it kind of faded away. Do you, did you get that sense here? Like, can you take us a little bit more through those moments that kind of uh, where they the the support for impeachment in the Republican Party seemed to ebb? And then it kind of, uh, or really, it began to grow, and then kind of ebbed out to where it is now. Yeah, I mean, I think the, uh, I think, I think overall, I think a lot of the Republicans who wanted him to be impeached were definitely not the Trump-style Republicans. Uh, do I think the Republican Party is the party of Trump? I think it has many aspects of Trumpism that is still going to resonate in that party for years. I think the people who are like the Susan Collins of the party. Um, the moderates, the, the Rockefeller type Republicans are probably the ones who are mostly making up the support for the impeachment. I also think part, partly some of the people who are more of the traditional Republicans, which I know may you know be a little shocking because traditional Republicans are pretty much on par with Trump's policies. They just don't have his rhetoric along for the right. I mean, people like Jeb Bush, I don't know if he's necessarily supports, but one thing I will say yeah, about Yeah, Jeb people Bush, like Liz Cheney was, and all those – like yeah, the list yeah, the like, ideological group, but there was also kind of a substantial amount of people who are kind of more in line with the Mitch McConnell kind of framework. Like I wouldn't necessarily say like Rockefeller Republican, just kind of more like pro corporate over anything yeah. kind of Trump. They're not as tied to the base. They may be from kind of a like slightly purplish state, like Pat Toomey or something like that, uh, and just who are, are probably more tied to McConnell in the Senate than Donald Trump. Um, so there is like the, the the kind of thinking was there. I, I don't even know exactly who these names would be, but they they free up some people. If McConnell goes one way, then that could probably swing maybe like a quarter, to like a third, maybe even half 
of the caucus in in a way just if just he signals that it's time for trump to go then it's, it's really time for trump to go yeah, I mean, I think Mitch McConnell definitely has a very big overarching arm around the Republicans in the U.S. Senate. I mean, he practically uh, is the make or breaker. I mean, he's it's it's ridiculous uh, what he has done in the, in the U.S. Senate. But overall, I think the one thing that Mitch McConnell supports about getting rid of Trump is that he knows that he's a liability. Um, you know, it, he saw what happened in 2020 <laughs> because of him. I mean, this guy lost his. Uh, majority leader position even though technically if trump never look i'm gonna be honest if trump never talked about the voter fraud we probably would have seen a 51 or 49 u.s senate with david purdue re-elected and Raphael warnock most likely uh, elected himself but that might have not even happened because uh, who knows maybe both the republican senators got re-elected but getting back to the point the one thing i think that Mitchell mitchell is just really against he doesn't want to impeach trump because oh he doesn't like him for what he did no he doesn't give a shit about that he cares more about getting Trump out of the party so that he can actually start being the main man of the party, you know, main picture boy. And honestly, I partly think he wants to get rid of the entire fast pass that the Democrats partly have on campaigning of anti-Trump because it worked in 2018. Uh, The Democrats didn't really use it as much as they could have in 2020 in many of their house races, as we saw many of these incumbents who probably could have tied, uh, could have tied their Republican challengers that Trump decided not to. So, I mean, look, the anti-Trump message does work. It does incite a lot of the Democratic base. Um, And I think that Mitch McConnell notices that. I mean, he obviously saw that with the 2018 midterm elections. Um, And I think partly most Republicans did, and most Republicans were probably shocked with some of the wins in some districts that we had. But overall, I think the entire thing here is just about getting rid of Trump so that the Republicans can have a a more stable uh, approach, but at the same time, even getting rid of Trump, you're still going to have the ripple effect. I mean, you have people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, you have an ever-expanding QAnon group that's probably going to be in the halls of Congress in a couple of years, like the progressives, you know, have been kind of making slight ripples over the years. Uh, You know, we we already got two QAnoners. You know, two years ago, we had four newcomer progressives, at this pace, you know, we're going to have progressives slightly more than the QAnon if if they actually expand in two years from now, which, to be honest with you, I wouldn't really be too shocked because of the entire yeah. rhetoric that's yeah, in the Republican like, Party. I, I really do get the sense it's like it's a cost-benefit analysis. Like how much – like is Trump going to get in the way or is he going to continue to help? And I think for a long time, like McConnell thought that, oh, yeah, he's gonna, he's getting in the way here. Like this is a big problem. We're seeing – a not insignificant portion of the corporate base of the Republican Party getting really uncomfortable, starting to pull away funds. And that is a I think that was a huge red flag for McConnell. Uh, But the question is, what turned him away from that? He voted. He said that this clearly constitutional impeachment trial was unconstitutional. So, like, like, do you have any guess as to what that change was from like previously when he made all those statements, kind of probably had it leaked to the New York Times that he was considering impeachment um, or whatever news outlet it was. Like, what was the change there, do you think? Well, I think that he recognized that the threat of a a Trump-endorsed primary is pretty imminent. Well, yeah, he's going to be, I think, 80s, I don't know how old he is, 86, I think, uh, or 85 in uh, six years when he's up. I think he recognizes that Trump is still has a big effect on the party um you know he's in a he already watched two mitch mcconnell 2.0 candidates well besides clay leffler i would more like just david purdue at this point um you know because david purdue was pretty much like mitch mcconnell he was just riding the train just to get on the train and just keep on going to get you know get through the party i would not really necessarily say that david purdue was a trump republican i would i would definitely say he's, he's more like a mitch mcconnell republican but overall, I think the one thing that Mitch McConnell definitely did uh, with his change is I think he recognizes that Donald Trump will be a very, very, very vocal part of the Republican Party. I mean, Ronna McDaniel is, I mean, this lady, I mean, these people are ridiculous. I just, I get so frustrated when I say their names after the whole voter fraud thing. But let me continue here. Uh, I know Ronna McDaniel, for example, she was recently reelected for the uh, GOP 
um, chairwoman. And, you know, she literally said, uh, Trump is our future. Arizona GOP, they censured um, uh, their governor, Doug Ducey, who I have, you know, very little respect for. I don't really care for his policies. But the fact of the matter is this guy won re-election by 13 points in a blue wave year. I mean, these people are censuring people who win in Arizona because they're not Trumpists. Well, yes, I don't agree with Doug Ducey's policies whatsoever. One thing I will say is at least this guy didn't bow down to Trump when he was attacking him for Arizona's thing. Well, you know, uh, the whole reason the censure, by the way, was because of the fact that he uh, signed, um, well, he uh, validated the, I think it's 10, uh, nine electoral votes. Uh, no, I don't even know how many electoral I forgot. I, eight, I think it is from Arizona. I, I forgot when he v- validated them for uh, Biden. I think it's actually 11, excuse me. Uh, when he validated them for Biden, I know Kelly Ward, who's the Arizona GOP chairwoman. I mean, you know, these are just some characters. I mean, you can go, the list goes on. Florida, for example, they said the future is Trump. Everyone in the Republican Party says the future is Trump. Like, it is more apparent as the days go on that Donald Trump did, in fact, leave a very, very big stand in the Republican Party. Um, I mean, more apparent probably to Joe Biden than it is to me, given the fact that supposedly him and a lot of the senators were good friends now. I mean, he doesn't even give, give a damn crap of working with them, which, again, is part of the reason why I personally think Mitch McConnell stayed with Trump and didn't really want to do with the impeachment because he recognizes that Donald Trump is the Republican Party and the Republican Party is beholden and delivers every single day of the week to Donald Trump's demands and what he would like to see for the party as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I really do feel like though for a moment there, they would have had uh, they had they would have had an opportunity to like probably change the course. They would have had an opportunity to be like, get Donald Trump out of the party. They could have, if they had been aggressive in that and like having a lot of people just turn, turn the tide. I think that probably, especially with the, like the media, um, they could have kicked Trump out of the party, but I, I guess just, just like in 2016, like right down the line, they, they just missed their chance. And now he has, I think reestablished himself. We've seen a big, like Kevin McCarthy originally saying that, Oh yeah, Trump does bear responsibility. Oh, he doesn't bear responsibility anymore. Uh, we, we put our fingers up to the wind and we know which way the wind is blowing with the Republican party. I think that's absolutely right. Um, and I think also it could lead to a lot of people's kind of claims about the electoral success of the Republican party, um, being substantially, or the demise of the Republican Party, electoral demise of the Republican Party being like kind of greatly overplayed as they always are with the Democrats. We always go, oh, the Republican Party, like they're 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 about to fail. They're they're going down. They're they're um, screwed. But a lot of the times, that is just not how it is. And I think I do think that Republican Party could keep their um, their whole coalition intact from 2022 even into 2024. I don't believe it. unless Donald Trump is on the ballot. I, I don't believe so. So you think um, because, you think a lot of that is you think a lot of the kind of conditional success is Trump. Like it comes from it Trump is. as a person, not like do you think no from him being on the ballot because he yeah yeah out yeah. People so like he couldn't never just, come like, out. He just couldn't put a chosen heir. You, you think he could pass that on to somebody, or do you think that the Republican base only responds to Trump when he is there physically on the ballot? Oh, no, I think they'll bow down to him. Um, I, I think that – I think – let me try to think here. I think what they'll um, – I think what they'll most likely have a problem is even though Donald Trump may endorse – look, we saw this in Georgia. This is like a literally a primetime example. We saw it in Georgia. We saw it in Pennsylvania's special election in 2017 with Connor Lamb. Okay, We see it time – and time and time and time and time again, when Donald Trump is not on the ballot, and even if he goes and endorses, and the, I guess the guy in Pennsylvania is probably a little better because he wasn't spring voter fraud BS at that time. Um, and this was a special election in March, by the way. Democrats usually don't show up for special elections, but they did. And Donald Trump endorsed the Republican candidate like literally he holds he held, excuse me, held three rallies in the congressional district before the special election occurred in March of 2017. So this whole notion of um, you know, that the Republican Party is going to be able to win again like they did this time around, you have to recognize as well, we had a massive turnout this time. It's like a 68 percent turnout. Yeah, and a lot um, of that came from, I think, mail-in voting. 
um, yeah. like the kind of increase in mail voting, a lot of people, like a lot of that turnout was Republican, like well, it, like yeah. the 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 um the water level rose on both sides. Like turnout came up on both sides, partisan. Is that, is that fair to say? I would definitely agree, and I think the reason why that's the case is because Donald Trump really energizes a large amount of the Republican and, quite frankly, I would say even nonpartisan people who decided to become Trumpist um, from 2016 um, in this country that they really want to go out and vote from now for the reason in the House why I believe that the Republicans gained some seats is because while, yes, many of these districts that Democrats miraculous, I don't even know how the hell they did it. They, they Democrats, the Cong- I'm talking about the congressional, uh, the 15 that we lost, um, Almost all of them, I think, with besides like like six or seven, went to Biden. Um, all of the ones in California went to Biden. Each and every one. Um, yet all four of them. Had, uh, this is the twenty fifth congressional district, twenty first, the thirty ninth, and forty eighth. We have uh, David Valadao in twenty first, uh, Mike Garcia in twenty fifth, Young Kim in thirty nine, and Michelle Steele in the forty eighth. All four of those districts. Um, were Republican pickups in California. All four of them went to Biden. Actually, Valadao's issue went to Biden by 10 points, and DJ Cox still lost by 1%. So what was the big, like, the big incentive behind that was just, you think, think Trump lifted, lifted them up? I think the socialist scare, I think that actually did have an effect. And I think also not ring on any type of, I think a lot of these guys, two of them in, in particular, and I'm not blaming the socialist thing as the entire reason. My hope, the reason why I mentioned But, like, why in California, though? Well, I think 30% of it was that. Well, because partially the Republican Party somehow did actually have a big turnout in 2020. I think partially, again, the mail-in ballots. We saw that in Hawaii, of all states, uh, there was a five-point shift to Trump. It wasn't because you know Democrats decided to vote for Trump. It was just because Hawaii mailed a ballot to every single resident. I know California did the same. Um, but mm. one thing I'll say is the fact that like the 21st, for example, went to Biden by 10 points, it went to the Republican by one. TJ Cox was probably one of the only guys who I would probably say of the four that lost, uh, who was actually running on policy and his record. I think what scared a lot of the people there, however, is I think the rhetoric of what Veladad was going by. I mean, he was like saying, oh, this guy voted for impeachment, like he's with Nancy Pelosi, this and other crap. I think the problem with the Democrats, they never go on the uh defense enough they always like kind of brush it off and go back onto offense saying look what i did with, like my record this and that like they just ignore it and a and lot of that was because that, that's like the orange county like northern area right uh this specific district is uh san fred no, no no fresno valley excuse me fresno valley because the like orange there county was the 39th and the 48th which is the two korean american women the young young kim and michelle Steele. yeah those are they they were on neutral those guys they were they were big because like they were more successful because of like the anti-mask thing that was like big in california right because they have a like big kind of yeah i didn't blame the um yeah, I'd even blame the Democratic incumbents, though, because I think uh, from what I was reading online a lot of the times is that, like, for example, one of them, Gilles Neros, who's from the 39th Congressional District, uh, Young Kim beat uh, him by 6,000 votes, 6,000 votes. Uh, he did not run as many ads as he did in 2018. He took the back seat uh, because I think a lot of Democrats believed the polling. Um way too much and they thought okay well i'm gonna win by a big margin so i'll just take the back seat harley rowda did the same exact method and the problem with doing that in these type of congressional districts is you can't do that because these were congressional districts that for, for the 48th congressional district uh they never had a democrat representing there okay and michelle Steele was an orange county supervisor and that district is only in orange county you're going against pretty much a community, uh, a well-known community leader, and you're taking the back seat. I mean, this is not method of campaigning, which you do. Well, yes, I understand the coronavirus has an effect. Well, yes, I understand this and that. To recognize that if the Republicans are knocking on doors, you ought to be knocking on doors as well, because all you're doing is giving them a fast pass to gain more voters. Yeah, yeah. And you have voters. the, like, yeah, like the environment's so easy to forget, like how insanely bad the republicans looked 
especially at that time, and how like it's very easy to imagine like a Democratic representative, especially like, someone like Gil Cisneros, getting very complacent there in California. It's gonna be interesting to see if they can get their act together this time and actually kind of pull a little bit of the 2018 magic, which still like again a large large part of this is because of gerrymandering. Um, a large part of this is because of Jane, uh, gerrymandering and all that stuff. But I think the yeah. biggest critical thing, and again, this is why that really kind of, it, it does bother me that the Senate, because I do understand, of course, the need to, you know, hold the trial and hold everyone accountable and all that stuff. But I do think that, like, it makes a lot more sense to be passing stuff like the Senate Bill 1 and H.R. 1, the uh, the voting rights bill. Um, that is going to be literally the only thing that dem- makes Democrats a, a viable political party down the road. Um, because of the yeah. way things are setting with the redistrict- redistricting and all that, like if they pass that, like they should be, this should, that should be their first thing because that's literally their p- political survival. Definitely not just doing this kind of uh, impeachment, which is not really going to be very political. Effect. Like it, you can do the same thing just right, like right now. Because I know, I know, I get what your point about the trial and all that stuff, but um, it really is. Uh, such an important thing. This is something that they really do do need to pass. And I do want, because we do want to shift a little bit of gears back in the Republican Party, as, especially with President Trump. Uh, new reporting here from Washington Post's Ashley Parker and Josh Dossey. Uh, as he faces his second impeachment trial, Donald Trump has been unusually quiet, ensconced in his private Mar-a-Lago Golf Club in Palm Beach, Florida. The former president has spent his days golfing. He's rolled through his phone, calling old friends and allies simply to check in. He has dined on the patio of his lush retreat, often accompanied by a coterie of political aides still on his payroll. And as Congress on Tuesday took up a second Senate trial for Trump almost exactly a year after his first, Trump has remained sanguine that a evenly divided Senate will acquit him of charges of inciting an insurrection, despite his egging on of an angry crowd that attacked the Capitol on January 6th. Yet despite his overall confidence, Trump opening uh, Tuesday's opening arguments did not unfold as Trump or his allies had hoped. He said he was especially, or this reporting here, that he was especially disappointed in the performance of his lawyer, Bruce Castor, who gave a rambling argument, wore an ill-fitting suit, and at one point praised the ch- uh, case that uh, presented the case presented by the Democratic House impeachment managers, uh, two people involved in the effort, said uh, the former president monitoring the trial on television had expected a swashbuckling lawyer and instead watched what was a confusing and disjointed performance. Yeah, like that guy was an absolute mess. He went on for like 10 to 15 minutes about how great senators were. Like it was just absolutely incomprehensible there. And um, it, it really shows you just how much of the bottom of the barrel like Trump has continued to hit with like the people who are going to represent him at this point. Um yeah, so Bill Cassidy of uh, Louisiana uh, said literally that his shoddy defense spurred him to change his vote on the constitutionality of the proceedings. Um, so it was it was really pretty uh, pretty pretty much a pathetic showing. But that still doesn't change the fact that um, there are depending on what happens here, uh, or depending on what the Democrats decide to do do on this center agreement. Um, Trump could very well still run again. He could still be looming and running in 2024. Would you say right now he is the odds-on favorite uh, to lead the Republican Party uh, in the future, especially on the top of the I think that, next cycle? I, I think that he is definitely going to have an influence on running the party. However, I think that there are definitely going to be interesting uh, – doesn't definitely be a little bit – I think that primary, if he actually decides to run in 2024, which honestly – I'm going to say right now might be unpopular belief, but you know what? Put me on the record. We can come back to it in three years from now if it changes. I actually don't think he's going to run in 2024, but if he decides to run. But why do you say I that? I think that well, – I say that because he – first off, he would have said it by now. Um, he's an egomaniac. He wants all the attention that he can get in the world. And, you know – even though I think he may be able to actually, I don't think he's going to win if he goes against Biden. I don't, uh, because I think a lot of Repub- I think a lot more Republicans are going to be turned off about what happened with this whole voter fraud scheme that they did. And I'm not saying to try to get Republicans over. I think the main thing that if Biden actually were to run again, which I swear if he actually does, um, is he's never look. The one thing I'll say is that I don't think he's going to run because. I think he would have announced it by now, number one. Number two, I, I don't think he's going to have the energy in him to do it. I mean, this guy, could he, he barely finished his four years uh, in a 
mentally stable environment. I mean, he was having advisors leave like candy wrappers getting thrown, uh, you know, into the garbage can. And the overall thing that I have noticed with him is that if he was going to run, I think he would be holding rallies right now. He was uh, doing it in 27. I'm not. He was, so, well, I'm really not so sure about that because I think he like, was doing it in 2017, though. I mean, but Spencer, remember when you know yeah, he announced I his do. reelection for 2020 five minutes after the the inauguration, 2017, right? Yeah, I do. It's. A, like, I think it's a completely different situation right now because, like, they're like the reporting here in this is that. Um, he really does not know what he's going to do next. Like, I think it's like there's a very. I think a, he's enjoying. I think, I think he's going to try to get his daughter to run f- against Marco Rubio. I think that's one thing I'll, that I can definitely see in two years from now. I think Ivanka Trump will definitely be pressured by her father to uh, run against Marco Rubio. That's the one thing I could probably say about the Trumps at this point. I don't. Yeah, I I don't know if there's any like reporting on that, but it's certainly definitely it's it's been in kind of in the discussion there for the Florida Senate, which would be very interesting. Um, but yeah, he's adrift. His friends say, uh, with no clear sense of what comes next for his first time in his political life. They add that Trump is calmer than they expected as he faces down another historic indictment in a career littered with them. Uh, at least a four four former senior Trump administration officials independently described the former president as chill or chilling so he's just he's just having a grand old time up there in mar-a-lago chilling out watching tv uh yeah just like the idea of trump just chilling like just whatever whatever picture pops in your head there i'm sure it is not pleasant in any way um yeah so the 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 truth is though for him the senate impeachment trial that began tuesday is never far from his mind the former president is still privately fuming, no surprise here, over former allies who he believes has wronged him. Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming, who voted to impeach him, and Kevin McCarthy, who said Trump bears responsibility for the attack before backtracking. So they've had to probably have some pretty awkward conversations over Marjorie Taylor Greene recently. Um, yeah, and Lindsey Graham, a Trump kind of sycophant, says he's decompressing. He's enjoying some of the time he hasn't had in the past, and he's thinking about impeachment. Uh, worried about his instinct for self-sabotage, Trump's lawyers and allies counseled him to largely stay cro- quiet until the Senate trial ends, fearful that anything he might say or do would serve to strengthen the case against him or make Republicans more reluctant to acquit him. Daughter Ivanka Trump and her husband, Jared Kushner, also urged him not to get in the way of Senate proceedings, which seemed to be headed toward a positive outcome for him. So it's like, this is just some pretty unprecedented stuff. For the first time, it looks like they have succeeded in keeping Trump twi- uh, Trump quiet. Um, but it's it's less uh, the result of this kind of newfound discipline and more a consequence of Trump's or sorry, Twitter's decision to ban Trump, who no longer has an instant public forum to blast out his latest grievances. In many ways, Trump's former world is crumbling around him. President Biden handily defeated him in November. Again, this is Washington Post, so uh, not entirely true if you look at um, a lot of the trends, I think, as, as James, you may agree. Um, although it was pretty strong in the popular vote. Uh, his Florida neighbors are currently trying to ban him from living in Mar-a-Lago, where leasing, after leaving office, he uh, lost a special permit to have a helicopter pad. Uh, buildings ablazing with his name are trying to remove their Trump insignia. The PGA of America pulled its 2022 championship from one of the Trump golf course clubs, and um, lobby of the former president's namesake Washington Hotel now sits conspicuously empty five blocks from the White House. Now, out of office, Trump has lost his protective press pool, the captive audience of reporters that follows a sitting president nearly everywhere, and Biden has made clear he does not plan to extend the courtesy of intelligence briefings to Trump, citing him as an intelligence risk, which is, I mean, it's pretty insane to, like, that people, like, I doubt Trump would even read them or cares that he's not getting them, but it is kind of insane that, like, Bill Clinton is sitting around, like, reading classified information still. Um, but yeah, so Trump has pushed for a speedy trial, initially arguing that he wanted the Senate to take up the House's article of impeachment while he was still in office. After Republicans lost the two Senate seats in the Georgia special election, Trump was hoping Senate would vote before the new Democratic lawmakers were sworn in, but he struggled to assemble a legal team willing to defend him. And though he eventually found a team of South Carolina lawyers with the help of Graham, those lawyers ultimately quit. Uh, he said he's not expected to make a public appearance during the trial and staying in his Florida club, but he's asked a number of Republican allies in the House uh, to appear on television on his behalf, and those include Matt Gates and Jim Jordan. Talking points shared with the Senate offices by Trump's impeachment team urge Republicans to stress the entire impeachment trial is unconstitutional and is an act of political vengeance by the Democrats. 
Um, anticipating a potential question, saying why are the Democrats and some of the members of the media saying President Trump didn't take to social media to stop the violence on um, January 6th like he should have? Uh, the memo offered a concise answer, and the answer was that they're making it up and they're lies. And he didn't egg on the rally on social media. Of course not. The former president is furious with the Republican lawmakers who voted to impeach him and told uh, aides that he was really trying to help defeat people like Lisa Murkowski, uh, uh, Liz Cheney, and Tom Rice of South Carolina. He's also hoping to help unseat Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, of course, who resisted his entreaties to overturn the state's election results in favor of Trump. All right, so that's kind of a look on how Trump is doing right now. Uh, he is kind of staying out of things. It would be interesting to see how long that lasts. Uh, but I do kind of want to um, switch gears a little bit to impe- or uh, to not away from impeachment, but to the stimulus. We will do that in one minute. So glad to have you with us today to talk about some of the very exciting things coming your way on the Spencer Walsh Radio Network. Newsflash, our flagship program continues to be all new Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays with our top hip-hop show, the best mix show in the game on Cultured Live on Fridays. Late Night Discord Chats, a new chat series uh, talking about the most important things happening in our society and some other stuff too. We'll be premiering next Monday morning and Uprising concludes its first history season with a big, big two-part history of populism finale. That's this Wednesday on the Spence Walsh Radio Network with the episodes coming out at 7 a.m. and 12 p.m. All right, yeah, so those Populism episodes are out now. Very, very exciting. So go check those out. Um, yeah, so pretty much where we stand right now in terms of real important economic relief is the country is eagerly awaiting the passage of the American Rescue Plan, the COVID-19 relief bill that is currently working its way through Congress so that people can begin getting their coveted stimulus checks and extended unemployment benefits and all of the other stuff that's in the bill. Naturally, however, there is some confusion about such a big and complicated piece of legislation. Uh, there are some Democrats here to clear things up. So we'll get to what they had to say to, to clear things up. So uh, pretty much, though, can you take us through, James, like what are some of the big key highlights in this bill just so we can possibly refresh everyone's memory here? I believe that, uh, okay, the, the $1.9 trillion bill we're talking about? Yeah. Okay, I, I know that there's a portion of that is just going to be put aside for uh, sending money to states. Uh, that's the portion where the Republicans continuously keep on saying that it's a blue state giveaway, even though many of the blue states actually give more money to the federal government than they get back. And there's the $1,400 checks. And then a portion of it is also going to be put aside for vaccine distribution and in uh, and for more research of vaccines. And I believe there's also going to be a portion put aside for opening schools, um, PPE, and then I believe that's actually, yeah, that's actually it. Yeah, so it's pretty much like the basic kind of all-encompassing really plan that you may think, though. Uh, unfortunately, those $1,400 checks, which I personally think that is a just bad, bad political strategy because it's like, I don't, I don't know, what, what do you think about it? Like, do you think the, do you buy the $1,400 plus $600 excuse? I mean... Given the fact that most people haven't received the six hundred dollars, I don't. But once people do receive the six hundred dollars and then the fourteen hundred, I would probably argue that it would be delivering on this two thousand dollar promise. But at the same time, I don't necessarily see any reason why we can't go six hundred dollars more. Like I, I just, I, I really want to see what the added cost of that was, or would yeah. be because, like, I genuinely don't consider it to be that much i don't think it's gonna be like eh, a trillion dollars I mean, like especially when you were like especially when people like joe biden kamala harris they made such a big deal out of promising two thousand dollar checks and just all of a sudden it's dropped down and everyone's saying oh yeah 1400 like that that creates i think a backlash in some voters brains that is really just un uh unlucky um so yeah, yeah pretty no, much the, agree, cur- yeah. the current fight here is um uh, kind of with 
um, f- like uh, means testing, the kind of Democrat pastime that they'll love. And uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki answered some straightforward questions during last Monday's press briefing about whether the push to further restrict uh, who gets these latest round of stimulus checks is not a great idea. So we will kind of... No, we don't have that sound, unfortunately. But yeah, she pretty much tried to uh, answer that and um, pretty much defend the idea that that would make any sense. Um, so yeah, the current fight, though, is between some Democrats who want to restrict any individual who makes $50,000 from getting a full stimulus check and other Democrats who want to maintain the $75,000 threshold from earlier bills, which probably, I think, p- could be raised a little bit higher. But the, the the point is, when the $600 check was given out, when the $1,200 check was given out in March, the, the threshold for who could get it was $75,000 or below. And people are counting on that because they got in the last two, and why would they not be able to get the last or the most recent one? So now they're lowering that even further. So people who, under Trump, got, um, what is it, $1,800 in total stimulus checks, direct checks from the government, would now not be getting that. And it's often very, very important for people who are, because there's a lot of people under that income line who are just being completely cut out of checks. And it just seems like an incredibly, incredibly dumb move. Um, just to, I don't, I don't even know what audience that could possibly be appealing to. And there's really no evidence that anyone in America cares about targeting. And they... Plenty of plenty of evidence they definitely care about getting that damn check in the mail ASAP. And I really don't think also, James, this may be controversial to say, they don't care too much about bipartisanship either. If there's Republican votes or if there's Democratic votes, uh, votes, it makes no difference as long as they end up getting money to feed their families and put food on the table. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I think the main problem that uh, it's going to come out of this bill, even though they did past a major hurdle actually the other day which is good news um is the uh, filibuster uh ted cruz has said that he will gladly stay on the floor for 24 hours then swatch uh switch spots uh with i believe it was josh hawley uh who he was going to make a partnership with so i mean look uh i i don't necessarily think bipartisanship is is uh a necessity, but at the same time with the 50-50 say and the stupid 60-vote rule, which honestly, talk about the nuclear option, Chuck Schumer hypothetically should get rid of that for bills um, and getting out of filibuster instead of doing a 60-vote to get out of yeah, filibuster. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's going to be it's going to be necessary sooner rather than is. later. I mean, you're not going to get anything done because, because yeah, we, you can't you're not going to get 10. You cannot go through budget reconciliation for, for anything, or for, for everything. No. The most Republican senators I could see the Democrats getting is maybe like one or two. I mean, Susan Collins is probably going to go over a lot, and Lisa Murkowski once in a blue yeah, moon. Now Mitt Romney in, probably is going to be a lot surprise, of, but yeah, actually Mitt Romney had a very interesting bill. Yeah, um, he did. Was, assuming do the three thousand dollar, I think it was uh, for childcare. Yeah, that was that was again. a pretty pretty interesting bill there uh, that he would put out. Was. Of, of all things, it's actually more to the right than, or sorry, more to the left than a lot of the Democratic Party now. So, like, just, this just absolutely makes no sense here. Uh, on Sunday, so we had Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. She threw a new number in the ring saying she thought cutting the th- full stimulus threshold off at $60,000. So, again, leaving off $15,000 worth of difference there. Uh, in terms of earners, would be a good idea. And this is, again, from the woman who, as I praised her for, like, a, a week ago or something, was like, it's better to go big than, we got to go big here, we can't afford to, to go small. Um, she said that. I was pretty optimistic, but then, what do we see? This this BS uh, about cutting it off further. Um, and maybe, got, this is just such a crazy idea, but maybe since you're supposed to be the better party than the Republicans, Maybe you can raise the threshold to expand more people because if you raise it up to like eighty thousand or ninety thousand dollars, you're not going to be giving that money to rich people. I'm sorry, you're just not. You maybe give it to be some people who are maybe in the middle class, but I think that in terms of it, it's not the worst thing you can do in terms of actually stimulating the economy. Like that is trickle down, or I don't know, technically not trickle down, but like that's the kind of economics that works in terms of giving people money who need to spend it. Um, yeah, so. Uh, Saki was asked what she thought about the six hundred, uh, sorry, sixty thousand dollar idea. 
and offered a new preview into Biden's thinking, saying, whatever the threshold is, there will be a scale up. So his view is that a nurse, a teacher, a firefighter who's making 60000 shouldn't be left without any support or relief either. It's just a question of where the scale up looks like, what it looks like in the final package. Uh, note the emphasis on any relief rather than the full amount of relief that months of political rhetoric has primed people to expect. So again, this could be maybe $60,000. You have to go to the office. You got to sign up to get a credit to possibly get maybe, uh, I don't know, $200 in the end, like something ridiculous like that. Because it's going to be mean tested. It's going to be made like because of the Democrats. They just love doing this. They make it intentionally more complicated, intentionally more confusing just because they play to this kind of like, imaginary audience of people who are like oh you need to do more austerity you need to do more kind of like budgetary politics it just makes absolutely no sense to me can you help me explain it i mean i because i'm just lost on this yeah i mean i i just couldn't there are things that the democratic party does that make absolutely no sense to me uh and the one thing that I've definitely been able to notice throughout this entire talk in regards to the stimulus is that the power of corruption and corporations and big money and uh, overall um, uh, the rhetoric that the Republicans like to spew a lot, which is that, oh, we shouldn't give it out because of debt, this and that. Look, the fact of the matter is the one thing that the Democrats really have to do, and this is really why I, I, I say nowadays that I don't know what the future for America looks like with the two-party system. Um, and this is a whole other discussion we should probably actually get into one day about why America should make more parties like pretty much every other nation has. 100%, yeah. Getting back to the point here is, you know, I think the Democrats – continuously do this to themselves when they have power they screw themselves over and look i'm gonna say i'm not gonna put the the horse before the carriage here um excuse me the carriage before the horse here but what i will say is that the democrats are doing a little bit better than 2009 but at the same time this whole stimulus talk while it's very upsetting to see the income threshold well one thing i will say that the democrats it seems have been able to do their progressive Democrats, that is, because not all Democrats should be taking credit yeah, for I this. Yeah, I think I think like Pramila Jayapal, uh, just to add in, yes. like, has been very, very good in terms of like I think Ayanna Presley as well. Yeah, yeah, in terms of like leading in the Congressional Progressive Caucus to go to the White House and be like, this makes absolutely no sense. Because I yeah. think like what they learned on from 2009 is like, stop with all the incessant attempts at bipartisanship like it's not gonna work like they are not there to play nice like they politically benefit from never ever ever working with republicans or sorry with democrats republicans do so and also 2008 democrats had i think 59 seats in the u.s senate and they had like 250 like something house seats like that is like not like the fact that the democrats are doing part like i'm gonna be honest the fact that the democrats are doing partisan proposals right now and are still getting them through with the slimmest margins that we've seen for over 20 years shows that the democrats could have gotten a lot of things done 10 yeah, years ago they could have completely changed they, like the the trajectory of the healthcare country. yeah I mean, they should have healthcare like they could have done but it was joel i mean they always play joel excuse me they always uh, i didn't mean to say excuse me i said play um they always blame Bill Lieberman. Yeah. That was one vote. I mean, they had 59 votes for the public option. Now, well, yeah, Joe Lieberman is a dipshit who's basically a Republican at this point. That's not an excuse to drop it off because of one, you know, MFR who decided not to vote for it. What you do at that point is you can just entice, like, he wanted something in regards to, um, uh, I think giving like a rebate out for people to get private insurance. Well, yeah, I hate that idea. The fact that matters, technically the public option would actually overdo that. Um, and instead they dropped it off and they tried to entice Joe Lieberman, Susan Collins, and Lisa Murkowski. They don't need those three votes. Yeah. They, they need they, Joe Lieberman. Yeah. They only, it's, it's like, that was just an absolute, like politically, they've toned that level of just political stupidity down a little bit, but they still have not lost the kind of deficit hawkery that that is so so prevalent in the party, like no matter how hard they try, um, yeah. So 
as long as you get as long as the hype, hypothetical nurse here gets just a little bit bit little bit of money from the stimulus even if it's not nearly what they were promised the system has worked and everyone's going to go home happy uh, that's what Jen Saki is saying so then there was a separate answer to um a separate question and answer the reporter asked here um so the the question is, back on the subject of stimulus checks, Bernie Sanders said it would be absurd to lower income thresholds and some other Democrats have raised the prospect that doing so could lead to political backlash given voters in Georgia were explicitly promised this aid by the president and they didn't have reasonably that fewer people qualify for that aid under the Democrats' plan. And it makes no sense that they would because pretty much what Bernie Sanders was saying there so rightfully and like makes a pretty good point is like, how in the world are... Democrats saying that they want to, after just calling Trump bad for, for four years straight, now they're going to give people less money than he did? Like, really? That's absurd. So he was saying, um, I was what, so pretty much the question was there from the reporter, how would you guys address this criticism? How would you guys address the criticism of you are not doing enough? So what the president proposed, this is Saki's answer here, what the president proposed, the 1,400 uh, checks to make plus 600, which is, of course, 2,000, because he felt it was important and vital to get the direct relief to as many Americans as possible and to target the relief to the Americans who need the help most. Like, uh, my brain is sound at this point. That's how his original plan and proposal were designed. He's also said, and I've said many times from here, that the final plan will look different from what the plan he proposed in his joint session address. It's still working its way through Congress, and I don't think inclusion has been made yet on the exact level of targeting. And when it does, we're happy to have a conversation about that. But part of this opportunity for members of both parties and members who are across the political spectrum, of course, even in the Democratic Party, to weigh in on what the path forward should look like. So yeah, pretty much saying we are we haven't we haven't decided yet. We're not sure. Um, and Joe Biden also wants to wants to do this thing, and also wants to do the complete opposite, like in the exact same way. And we're supposed to take what from that? I have no idea. Pro- like nothing is what we're supposed to take from that. That's the point, I think. Um, yeah. So the voters who flipped the Senate Democrats, um, Senate for Democrats, were explicitly promised this aid by the president. Wouldn't it be politically bad to tell them that some of them won't be getting any more? And it's pretty, pretty much is should be the end of the discussion right there. Um, but yeah, it really is. Again, as of a few days ago, is a very much a live ball. Um, the White House response being roughly, uh, we'll see what happens, is not very good. So, um, Ron Wyden, chair of the Senate Finance Committee, had this to say about the stimulus bill. Uh, Tax filing season starts February 12th. By filing your taxes earlier, ensure your next relief payment will be based on your most recent income, which kind of is a little weird considering, like, they should just figure that out anyway. If you lost wages in 2020 as a result of the pandemic, file your taxes ASAP to make sure you get the help you need. So what Wyden is saying here is that because eligibility for stimulus checks will be based on 2019 tax data, unless the government gets updated numbers before the checks go out, it's incumbent on us, the American public, and people who have been going through hell, especially for the last year, to file their taxes really quickly. Like, I mean, again, imagine... The any assumption that under any political party, the government may want to actually do more for someone like that is the the just like fantasy of all fantasies. I think James, like it was yeah. pretty foolish. I mean, it's just me crazy. For, yeah, it's it, just crazy. I mean, because you look at it in every other country. I mean, it was looking at it today. I mean, Japan seventy four percent of your uh, yearly salary if you were unemployed, the government will pay for it. England, which eighty percent me because you know. Yeah, we both know <laughs> the political party that runs them. They ain't any type of liberal party. They're the conservative party. I mean, they're not you know far right or anything like that. They're probably more like a well. They try to make themselves look like centrist, tilt to the right. I think on many issues they're very conservative. I think on some issues they're kind of centered down the line. If that makes any possible sense whatsoever. Um, I mean, look, I think America is showing the the entire world and the Democratic Party, for that matter, you know. It just show people how we're the wealthiest nation on the, the earth, but we can't give money to our citizens, or we have to make mm-hmm. more roadblocks, throw the cans in the road, get the banana peels ready yep. to get the checks to people. And it's absurd. I mean, because where did I see these banana peels getting thrown when they had the Trump the Trump tax cut bill? 
which gave billions. I mean, it can add up into trillions, you know, by now, definitely three years after of corporate handouts to corporations. Okay. There was no talk whatsoever about the deficit under Trump, even though he basically drove the deficit up into the trillions of dollars, uh, 1.4 trillion to be exact. Now the Republicans are all worried about it. And, you know, the fact of the matter is it is incredible the two-sided nature of the Republican Party. On top of the Democratic Party, I think, honestly, both parties are corrupt. Both parties have two-sidedness. And quite frankly, I don't think either party cares about uh, anyone in this country. I think they're all in it for the power. They're all in it for the money. And they're all in it for the fame. I don't think any senator, maybe besides Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, uh, and maybe and Markey, uh, and maybe a couple others. You know, I can't say everyone. It's probably you know seven or eight. I can maybe think off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Like besides that, like the good news is here. Of course, we should put in like that they did end up like evil House and Ways House Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal released legislation that would uh, oh, send the full stimulus payment to individuals individuals earning seventy five thousand dollars per year. Same floor as Trump had, and couples earning 150k per year. Congressional Democrats had again explored curtailing the benefit to $50,000 for individuals and $100,000 for married couples. A position embraced by Joe Manchin, uh, and by the way, his own Republican governor of West Virginia was yeah. like, "No, this is a bad idea, Joe. Like, what are you talking about? Like, just think about that for a second there." Um, yeah, and yeah. a far right governor saying, "Just no. Like, we need money, please." Or Democrat, by the way. Yeah, former Democrat as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the broadening of the stimulus payment eligibility among middle-class households is the latest sign that the Democrats are moving ahead without Republican support on President Biden's $1.9 trillion economic relief package. Um, and it's going to be interesting like, to see that like this. it's very likely that had this not happened, um, like it's probably would have – like the Joe Manchin position would have passed – uh, centrist lawmakers such as Manchin had called for narrowing the payments. Uh, the idea was met with increasing members, uh, for increasing resistance from other members of the party, including Ron Wyden, as we talked about, Senate Finance, Senate Finance Committee Chairman Ron Wyden, as well as one Senate Budget Committee Chairman, Senator Bernie Sanders, as well as House lawmakers in the CPC. That's the Congressional Progressive Caucus that we talked about with Pramila Jayapal there leading the way. Um, and yeah, this is like for all the jokes that have been made about it, it does kind of show that Biden can be pushed in some way to to the left wing. Like, do you think this is a do you, like how how big of an effect do you think this change has here? I think it has a big effect. Um, and I agree with your point that you made. I think Biden can be pushed to the left. See, I think the one part that, again, uh, is going back to the point. Of yeah. And I think Biden. just to just to add in there, I think that's under under certain circumstances. Like if you look at a position that was like this completely insane like yeah you're gonna be able to push them in the left but like i don't know if we can get too confident that oh yeah we got our work uh we're got our work handled by the left wing guy now and I'm, I'm not saying you're saying that but uh before we fall into that trap of complacency yeah no i i uh, yeah um you know i wasn't trying to get into that necessarily i think the one thing is i i think there's something about biden that he recognizes that Unlike Obama, for for that matter, is you know there's something about Biden that is it stuns me every day because it's almost like he's Obama and by Obama was Biden if that makes any sense whatsoever because Obama ran as a, a more liberal candidate than Hillary Clinton in the primary, yet he basically turned into a Biden moderate slash conservative I'd even argue uh, once he was president. Biden, on the other hand, came in. Uh, you know, if he was Obama, he would not be bowing down to the proposal that we have in front of us right now, he would probably still stay strong to his own proposal. Uh, on top of that, uh, you know, his whole openness to many other uh, uh, ideas, I mean, his, his uh, appointments for areas, for departments are shocking. This is just some of the things that I personally think like Biden has definitely shocked us in some way. I think that the other thing is, is he recognizes that he needs to get something done. You know, he brazenly 
won his race. Um, and he recognizes that America's in a tough time right now. Now, am I saying that, you know, he's doing the best job to fix it? I don't necessarily believe that. But at the same time, I think that at the end of the day, he recognizes that, you know, I think that it's time to get something done because, you know, he ran a message of being better than Trump. And you can't just sit back and relax and do nothing and just say, oh, I'm going to work with the Republicans, basically, which is basically what I thought Biden would do on everything when, you know, we have bigger problems here. But overall, I think that the whole talks that the Progressive Caucus had and shockingly, their massive power that seems they were able to use with getting the new income eligibilities on the bill. I mean, I think it shows that uh, the progressive wing of the party is becoming stronger. And I believe Biden is probably the only guy right now, uh, well, he's the only president we have, so obviously he's the only guy right now in the top power that he recognizes that. And instead of deterring that type of stuff, which is basically what Obama did in 2009, I mean, then again, we didn't really have a progressive. We had more like liberal you know, public option people, which at the time that you could probably consider that relatively progressive, uh, you know, he began to embrace them for a little bit. And then obviously, as we talked about earlier, Jaleel ran this and that, etc. So overall, I definitely do think that Biden recognizes that there's a problem. I think the reason why he's going and trying to fix, uh, well, not fix, I think he's tr- the one, the only thing that I can see him as a reasoning by him trying to somewhat cater uh, slash agree with their progressive caucus is just because of the major problems that he has on hand. And yeah, I mean, like, I think it's, them. it's very hard to just not like, it's a pretty easy case to make that this is just a com- incredibly dumb political decision here. Um, that That is all the time that we have to make uh, today. And we will definitely be following some of these key political issues in the, uh, in the kind of the battles between the left and center of the democratic party. Um, because of course, again, it still should have been two thousand dollar checks there. Let's let's not let anybody forget that. Um, and there still are again a lot of problems with the Democratic Party, but this is definitely as small as it may be a messaging win or in a pretty substantive win. It's going to get a lot of more money in a lot more people's pockets for Democrats um, to do here, and it's yeah, very very good to see. But we do have a little bit of a fun one. One year ago today, Chris Matthews was on. MSNBC talking in the wake of the New Hampshire primary one year ago, I think actually two days, a few, two days ago, a few days ago, and that clip, uh, him reminiscing about what would happen if Bernie won and where he might be, hint, it was a certain central park, uh, that will be the clip that will play us out today. Thank you, James, so much for joining us, and we will have a, I uh, hope you have a great rest of your week. We'll see you on Thursday for another very fun episode. Got a special movie event planned. So we'll see you then. I, I have my own views of the word socialist, and I'll be glad to tell them, share them with you in private. And they go back. <laughs>